Should police permanently carry handguns? No. Should the minimum wage be a living wage? Uh, well, it depends what a living wage is because obviously that has been that can be defined. The, 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 the formula behind that matters. What I would say is I think, and, and we, we used to have obviously this, a little bit of this policy under the last government, is the, the data matters. So, so this balance of ensuring that people can uh, have enough to be able to pay the bills, but then if you tip it over too much in a country with a whole lot of small businesses and a whole lot of people lose their jobs because those businesses can't afford to employ them, then you get significant social harm. So I think it's got to be a balance. Okay. Should prisons have the right to vote? I don't actually, I have a fixed view on that. Should the threshold for MMP be lower than 5%? I haven't seen, I I guess what I worry about if it, if it, if it um, is lower that you end up in more of a situation like some of the European countries where it gets too fractured. So I'd have to see a case for change. Diversity quotas in Parliament, yes or no? Uh, no, but much more work at the political level to ensure that we have broken down any potential discrimination around selection processes of political parties. Is it realistic to have zero homeless people? I think it is realistic to have, um, and I, you know, I've been involved in ensuring we get funding for Home Ground and Housing First program. We should be aiming to have um, zero situations where people don't have access to, to um, housing and accommodation uh, who are our most vulnerable, whether they're rough sleepers or people who are temporary homeless. Because what I found from being the MP for Auckland Central is there are some people who have been offered interventions, but maybe due to mental health issues, maybe due to extreme social isolation, They've turned down those services and it's a very thorny area when you try and go then into kind of compulsory um, yep. places for people. So we have to have a situation where we should be aiming for a situation where no person does not have the opportunity to be able to access shelter and food um, and that's very different from kind of forcing people to take up that service. Who is someone from the opposite side of the political spectrum that you admire? There are a lot of people. I always got on very well with Louisa Wall, um, who uh, I did work in on a range of conscience votes with her around things like um, uh, abortion, law reform, same-sex um, uh, marriage. Uh, so she's certainly someone uh, that I've I've admired. Um, as I say, at the local level, obviously Jacinda and I got on um, um, on pretty well, and I think at the world stage level, she's certainly put New Zealand on the map in, in, in a few areas. Um, who else would I mention? I think Annette King was, for me, um, an extraordinary person at the way that she was able to work, I think, across the spectrum. She was very, very pragmatic. And then I think as well, I'd put Helen Clark as someone who uh, I've seen... Uh, do extraordinary work internationally, particularly in the health area. If you were in America in 2016, would you have voted for Clinton or Trump? Clinton. Should New Zealand uh, protect 30% of our ocean to align with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals? We've currently got less than 1% protected. 
I don't know enough about that um, to to land on a 30% figure, but what I would say to you, in fact, I've just come from a few conversations around uh, marine protection and regeneration of the ocean. Mm -hmm. We should be... We should be focused on more marine protected areas in New Zealand. What the percentages, I can't say to you, but we should be focused on a range of startup innovations in regeneration, whether it's seaweed or other um, opportunities. And uh, I certainly expect that I will be involved pushing some of those things. What's the optimum population for New Zealand? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. How do you rate New Zealand's COVID response, 1 to 10? Um, I would rate different aspects of it. So I'm former <laughs> civil defence minister. I know I'm not giving you yes or no. <laughs> you, you hate it, but this is fine. But, but I, would say, um, um, I would say comparative to the rest of the world, uh, being able to pr do the preliminary shut of our borders was a 10. Um, I would say... Um, a lot of very, uh, a lot of people in our health system, in our in the public service, at a political level, from across the spectrum, work their ass off for several years, and I think that that is a tribute to the nation, uh, particularly our health workers, and I would rate that as a ten. I think there has to, in the review that eventually does occur, we have to look at what is the 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 trigger from crisis to what is called recovery and disaster risk reduction. And because you can see there has been some questions about whether we were fast enough to come out of the crisis period and move into recovery, whether it's borders. And I, I think that, that that's got to be a crucial question. And so that, that that's where maybe I'd, I'd mark lower down. House prices up, down or stay the same? Um, let, well, let the market decide. But I certainly think I certainly think um, that the previous conversation that we've had about whether it's um, uh, taxes or um, ensuring that people don't have a false sense of security uh, when house prices rise rapidly um, is something that's very important, and also ensuring that people have a better understanding and awareness of debt because you can see a lot of people are in pretty tough situations now. Should the world have nuclear weapons? Uh, no, um, I'm actually on an international network um, uh, of some of which are former politicians for which I, 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 I absolutely favour um, disarmament. Sugar tax? What was that? Sugar tax. I brought in the Healthy Star food rating when I was Minister of Food Safety, which was around trying, even though that wasn't as successful as I thought it might have been, um, which was really focused on people understanding what is in food and, and being able to have powerful information right in front of them because I think there is research that that can make a difference. Um, the, I, because of my journey in terms of cancer and my health is not perfect, I am massive on nutrition, but I'm, I'm not over the line around a sugar tax, what I, I'm actually about to meet with someone who's a professor around mm -hmm. a lot of health and nutrition policy. I think there might be 10 or 15 other interventions that we probably need to focus on. I'm not opposed to a sugar tax, but I'm not convinced of it at the moment. What about a tax on plastic? Um, <sighs> 
I don't know enough about that. Compulsory Toreo in schools? I actually supported um, a couple of things. One is um, second language learning. I put a bill up towards Parliament for every child from year one to eight to learn second language learning, um, which would have enabled the funding of not only more Toreo in schools, but also a range of other languages. And what I argued is that that would, because one of the problems for a whole lot of young people not learning Toreo in schools is that they don't have the resources and the teachers to be able to provide that. Mm -hmm. So that bill would have provided what I would have called near compulsory. It would have basically meant that schools, because you know how it works, basically schools currently, if a child under the law wants to learn Toreo, should be able to, but we don't have the resourcing. So I had taken a slightly different angle, which is you would have got near compulsory, almost every child being able to learn the basics of Toreo and then another another second language by that bill. So I'm a little bit biased because of my previous involvement with it. Should we ban alcohol sponsorship of sports teams? Um, again, I don't know enough about that. Fees-free first-year university? Um, I think we have to make ensure that education is more affordable but previously what I was focused on was different mechanisms. So not so fees-free is one mechanism. Uh, there's, again, probably 30 other policy op- options from writing off student loans to um, education accounts, which was something I previously um, put up, uh, which, me, which Singapore have, which in my view deals with a lot of disadvantage around access to education because you're also getting people the government contribution from a young age to enable people to have access to either tertiary education, but also it's way more fair for anyone who doesn't want to go into a normal tertiary pathway. If they want to, if they go into work and then want to upskill at a later age, they can have access to funds to be able to do that. So I, I think, I think fees free is positive in that it's trying to reduce student debt. But there's lots of other ways to try and deal with this intergenerational unfairness that exists around education, but also removes, but also promotes lifelong learning, which for me, it's something as well that if I live for 20 years, I'm very focused on. We should not be considering societies that just see people going into education for a couple of years. The nature of the way the world's going to change, the future of work, many young people will have 20 careers in their future mm. and they need to be able to pivot and have access to education funds throughout their life. And finally, should we lower the voting age to 16? Undecided. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks very much.